2: Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. I'm Ellie Weiss and um, I'm talking to you today from a rainy Colorado morning up here uh, in the Rocky Mountains. And uh, it's gorgeous out there. So today I thought I would give you a little background on why I started this organization called Wild Eyes Foundation. Um, Today we wanted to cover some issues of um, what will you do and what can you do? And that leads right into why I started Wild Eyes. Uh, I came to this from a philanthropic background and, of course, a love of animals and a love of Africa. WildEyes does focus most of its time and energy in Africa, working with a variety of projects on the ground from sub-Saharan Africa, east to west. We have about 25 projects running now. Uh, in Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Namibia, and Botswana. We're going to be starting up a new one soon in Mozambique, working with lions. We do have some um, particular focus about what we work on. Uh, we focus through wildlife security, sustainable community development, and education. And by wildlife security, we mean uh, providing a space and place for wildlife to be safe and secure. And what the end result of that is, is that it can reproduce in viable numbers, has food and has a habitat. Sustainable community development means working with communities who have challenges, inherent challenges uh, in living in the ecosystem in the area geographically and politically or whatever uh avenue you want to look at in terms of how they get along and how they can uh, work toward a better future for their lives. This usually ends up being indigenous peoples in very remote areas across Africa where they don't have access to, let's say, electricity, running water, Um, but they do have to contend with wildlife and resources and make a living and provide uh, economic and social security for themselves. And then that leads directly into education. How can we provide education on a variety of levels to help people gain access to information, gain access to new technologies, and gain access to data and scientific uh, resources that will help them live f- into the future with better use of their local resources? So I came to wildlife from a love of wild. I came to wildlife conservation and started Wild Eyes because of a love of wildlife. And uh, if you were listening last week, I think it's a wonderful thing when people tell me that they love animals. But loving animals doesn't actually commute or translate directly into doing anything for animals. So uh, the name of our show today is "What Will You Do and What Can You Do." So I'm trying to help our listeners find some ways to understand what you can do. And uh, there are a variety of avenues that you can take to um, help conservation along. Conservation is about people. It is um, as we, as our world globalizes and we expand, we're creating a planet geared toward humans, but not necessarily one that's responsive to wilderness and wildlife. As our human population increases, wildlife is forced into ever smaller quarters, dramatically multiplying the competition and conflict over limited resources, not only between themselves, but between wildlife and us, people. When wildlife and people conflict, wildlife is usually not the winner. In Africa, this clash is happening at an unprecedented rate. And as of today, uh, over the past 25 years, uh, let's even go farther. Over the last 50 years, Africa has lost 80% of its wildlife, and the numbers continue to decline. So coming from a philanthropic point of view uh, in why I started Wild Eyes, I came from the donor perspective. I contributed my time and my funding toward uh, specific projects that I thought would help wildlife uh, conservation move along. And I did that through a variety of channels. There are many organizations out there, out here, uh, whether you're in the U.S. or in Africa, that need your help, that need your uh, participation. So for us to move conservation along and to turn that love of animals into taking action to protect and conserve animals, uh, I decided to start an organization because I was doing a photographic documentary on tribal women in four different countries, uh, Namibia, Botswana, Kenya, and Tanzania. And the pretext of the, the documentary was to understand the roles women played in their tribal communities and how that related to their wildlife and their resources. And through four years of working on this book, I realized there was a gap that was not being addressed between large conservation and what was actually happening on the ground with the people I physically encountered and talked to. So I realized there had to be a way to um, address that issue. Uh, and no, it would not be the large landscape heartlands um, hotspot biodiversity concept kind of agenda that is a global or a globalized umbrella it would be working directly with people on the ground where i encountered issues or where they encountered me and asked for help so um, that's how wild i started we incorporated in june of 2000 after several years of working on the legal side of starting a nonprofit which is just as important and we'll cover that in a couple of shows um coming up uh, if you're interested in starting a nonprofit and what that means, your responsibility and the responsibility of your grantees, which is, are the people that you give money to, to accomplish a specific task or mission. So the mission of Eyes is to um, help improve conservation efforts on the ground in Africa as it relates to the indigenous people, the wildlife, the habitats, and the ecosystems on the ground once again, in Africa. So you may be thinking, wow, that's a really far, far away from where I am, whether you're in Texas or California or me here up in the Rocky Mountains. So what does that have to do with me or what does that have to do with you? Uh, Eventually, whatever we do in terms of conservation, whether it is using a little less water here, um, deciding to consume a little less and understanding what our packaging and what consumption means, in exchanging the concept of our benchmark of health being wealth, and that being the amount of dollar bills with faces on them in our pockets or our bank accounts, to perhaps reorienting our mindscape and our landscape, that our wealth is our health. It is not only the health of us as individuals and our health care system and our medical system, which, of course, is a lot going on in our political landscape today, but how our physical and mental and emotional health affects our well-being and our financial health, our food health, our physical and social security. And by social security, I'm not talking about the um, political aspect of social security that we all pay into as an employee. I'm talking about social security of our community, of our neighbors, of our city, state, town, nation, and how that relates to uh, the other communities that we're going to be encountering as our world moves forward. And in that sense, what happens here does affect Africa. It does affect the rest of the world. And what happens in Africa is going to affect us. Let me give you just a little example. We're talking about some climate changes and some climate shifting, and we're all noticing wow, strange weather we're having lately. I can sit here and say, here in Aspen, we've had the wettest summer I can recall. In 40 years of living here and um, the least amount of snow last winter and now it looks like we're heading into what could be a pretty heavy winter because the bears are all coming down so what does bears have to do with understanding the weather well our wildlife are is key indicators to what's going on in our ecosystems and our planetary systems they read the signs So if I've got a lot of bears in my yard and a lot of bears in my town, what does that mean? Okay, we had a bumper crop of bears this year, so we had a lot of baby bears coming along. We've got a lot of baby bears right now. That means cubs who are still dependent on their mother, and they're coming into town like crazy, going after garbage and food, and they're coming into our yards, they're getting into our houses, and they're getting into our cars. So we have a tendency to say, oh, we've got a bear problem. Well, it's not necessarily a bear problem. It's also a people problem. What is it we people are doing to attract bears and uh, that have changed the boundaries of where bears like to live? So here in Aspen is a local example, um, or let's say just about anywhere as our wealth community um, wants to build and get back into wildness, as we say, Uh, as we've isolated ourselves in our urban communities from nature, we find a lot of building, especially here in the Rocky Mountains. Colorado has been booming uh, in terms of real estate and building uh, into what previously was wild habitat, so we've blurred some of these boundaries. Wildlife is not looking at it the way we're looking at it. Wildlife looks at the ecosystem in terms of what does it need to survive and what does it need and for its ecosystem and how will it get through the next season. So bear hibernates for eight to nine months during the heavy snows. So right now they're coming down and they are feeding like crazy. So to go back to climate change, we had a very wet summer. Um, But we had a drought last year, and everywhere else in Colorado was a drought this year, but aspen seems to have gotten a ton of rain. And uh, so we've got bears coming down looking for food. Uh, When they come out of the the ecosystems up high where there are no berries, where there are no fruits and, and foods for them to eat, they're going to come where there is food, and that is us. So we have garbage. We have all these wonderful, tasty things out there for them to eat. And are we locking up our garbage? Are we putting um, fruit and nuts and bars like that in our car so that when we recreate, we have a little snack? Well, bears can smell that. Bears can smell up to five miles away. They have a sensory system and a nasal system that is 100, at least 100 times more powerful. I think it's more like 600 times more powerful than ours. And they are totally guided by that sense of smell and the need for food to fatten up for the winter so that they can survive the winter along with their cubs and continue their existence. Sounds like us, doesn't it? We need to find food security for ourselves for our families so that we can survive and live into the next year so that we can provide for our families and our children. Wildlife is the same way. So um, I'm not exactly sure where I was getting to with that, but uh, in terms of what can you do and what will you do, what we can do to mitigate conflict between bears is watch how we live on our planet. Watch what we do with our resources. Watch what we do with our waste. Lock up your waste. Put it out uh, where bears can't get it so they're not attracted. Once a bear is attracted to um, or finds food success, that's what we call it, uh, at your place, then you are now on that bear's path of um, going through its environment and looking for food. So keep your food locked up. Keep your windows closed. Keep your doors locked. Don't let the bears in. Uh, that applies to any other wildlife that may be looking for food around your house. So we need to be responsible and uh, understand our impacts on wildlife. So I guess we're heading here into a break quickly, and if anybody has a call or a question, you can certainly call in to one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. And you can email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That is W I L D I Z E at Wildees.org.
1: w-i-l-d-i-z-e dot
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
1: you're listening to ellie weiss and our wild world
2: Sorry about the little communications break there. Um, Having a radio show live in one place and the engineer in another is an interesting concept. I'm certainly enjoying it, but um, there's a lot going on back here behind the scenes to make our wild world available to you. So I would like to thank Voice America at this point for the opportunity to speak to all of you, and I hope to hear from you out there and your experiences with our wild world. So I was talking about, um, how I got started, uh, in Wild Eyes, and I'd like to segue that into how you can get started in finding your passion. So I started Wild Eyes because I loved animals. I ended up on the ground in a real world situation where I needed to, um, where I was confronted with, uh, issues that were contrary to what I thought was going on. So the best way to get involved and do something about conservation is to be educated, to get out there and find out what's going on. Um, Fulfill your passion. Find out what that passion is, Uh, whether it's wildlife like me or um, climate change or whatever issue is out there that you find yourself talking about, that your mental dialogue keeps screaming about and fills your days go out there and do something about it we can talk and we can talk and we can talk but until we turn that talk into action and get involved with our neighbors and our community and find out what is going on who is doing what and how we can pull all that together we're either living in a bubble living in a vacuum or reinventing the wheel um, i'm not sure we have enough time right now to keep reinventing the wheel we have plenty of time we have all the time in the world as long as we start doing something now so um, I think that was in a wonderful National Geographic special back at the millennium Um, depending on whether you wanted to look at the millennium as 2000 or 2001 uh, but that's about how long I've been doing wild eyes and I've been doing wildlife conservation for close to 40 years, so I'm not going to give away my age or anything like that, but it's been the majority of my life. And I spent the majority of that time in Africa or uh, outside Yellowstone National Park. So I had a really good. Uh, opportunity as a youngster to understand how wild systems and pristine places and those places that we choose to recreate in have an effect on not only our psyche and our emotional and mental well-being but our uh, financial and security well-being without wild places um where would we go mentally and emotionally to escape take a look at a any um car advertisement out there you're in this fabulous car that takes you to wilderness that takes you away and takes you out of your problems and puts you into a place where you are free and easy well my friends that is wilderness and that is wildness and today we are looking for ways more and more ways to recreate into our wild places um and that recreation does have an impact on the wild things that live there, the uh, habitat, the things that grow there, the ecosystem. Um, So we have a tendency now to more and more run into wildlife encounters. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about some terrible incident where either a bear killed someone's dog or a mountain lion took a hiker Um, we have a tendency to, uh, I can't think of the word at the moment, to um, have our media hype this up in such a way that it becomes scary and terrifying. And it sets off uh, a whole chain reaction of, oh my goodness, fear, terror, how are we going to live in our wild spaces? Well, we have a responsibility to be to be prepared to understand what we're going to do and the impact that we're going to have when we decide to go and recreate in wild spaces, whether it's, um, your city park, your backyard, or a nature trail and a hiking space in a designated wilderness area or recreation space where other creatures live with us. Uh, most of the time they're there without us even noticing. So, um, we need to be aware that they are there. Uh, I have an example. I was in the back country over, uh, last week going up to see the fall colors that are just beautiful up here up here this year because of climate change and we're getting a lot of cold weather and rain uh, earlier than we typically get it. so the colors are beautiful. so a friend and I decided to go take a drive and um into the back country and see what's going on. So we got up there and on a whim made a left onto an off-road, uh, track and lo and behold, I came across something, um, that at first I didn't recognize it. I remember a friend of mine in Namibia telling me once that, um, when I was, a friend was trying to take a shower into, in a little shower that was very open lattice work and, uh, local people were around and he had said, well, if they haven't seen it before, then you know, they won't recognize it. And that happens to be true uh, in many cases. If you haven't seen something before, whether it be an emergency system or um, someone in distress, then you may not immediately recognize it. The uh, issue here is is to be prepared so that when you do recognize what you're seeing, you can take action. So we came across... What I originally thought was a bit of a roadblock in the road, and then I realized it was not a roadblock, it was a woman lying unconscious across the trail. So, what do you do? Uh, I happen to be rather experienced in backcountry, working in Africa and living out of a vehicle for many weeks on end. Um, I am not a paramedic. I haven't taken emergency care, but I'd say it'd be a really good idea for anyone who's interested and wants to recreate that you have a good basic understanding of what to do in an emergency. So um, I quickly went into action and um, fortunately everything's okay. The woman is fine. We got her to the hospital, but we were a good half hour from the hospital and it required quick action, quick thinking, and understanding what to do when you come across an emergency, an unconscious person, an injured animal, what to do. With a person, we have um, a pretty good idea. We understand what we can do um, and you should have a little at least a little knowledge, uh, before you go into the back country for recreating to, uh, and think about, I'm not talking about dwell upon, but think about what will I do in an emergency and play out a couple of those scenarios so that you have certain, uh, material, uh, emergency supplies on your body. You have water. Uh, if you have a cell phone, um, Bring your cell phone, but many backcountry recreation areas do not have cell service. So, what are you going to do? You're going to be faced with a choice of action or inaction. And inaction could uh, lead to uh, even making a situation even worse. So, it's a good idea to understand what you can do uh, and be able to respond immediately with the proper action so in this case I responded by making sure this woman uh, came around to consciousness that she could see me that nothing was broken that she could breathe that she knew where she was that she knew what was going on Um, in this case she didn't know what was going on she had no idea what had just happened and then making sure that you can uh, take uh appropriate emergency action where you can whether it's getting a person to a hospital or calling an ambulance so um that's that's a relatively i'm going to call it a no-brainer to understand what you need to do in an emergency situation with another person but what are you going to do when you come around that bend and you see a mountain lion so uh this is an important question. Um, a mountain lion is a predator. It is a carnivore. And uh, typically we are looked at as prey. So in a mountain lion, uh, you're, you're dealing with an animal who is typically solitary, uh, who typically eats a, particu- uh, a a targeted prey, deer, um or elk elk is usually too uh large for it but they're they follow the deer so there's been cases a lot lately where there are mountain lions in people's yards out in california and a little closer to home here in boulder what are you going to do well in order for a predatory carnivorous animal uh, to have an experience uh, to stay away from people it needs a negative experience so typically you want to be able to provide that negative experience or at least not provide an experience that will trigger a predatory response. Um, So we're going to get into that in a a little more detail in our upcoming shows. Um, I'm going to provide some uh, great reading tips and uh, practical tips where you can find this information for yourself. Uh, There's one great little book called Don't Get Eaten, and uh, he takes you through the variety of wildlife that we'll, we'll typically encounter here in the um, in the U.S., North America. And um, just some other ways to start thinking about how to be prepared when you go out and recreate. Because the one thing we all want to do is come back from our recreation alive, safe, and with a good experience, and provide a good experience to the uh, other critters that we might encounter. So we're heading into another break here. I would love to hear from you if you're an expert in your field or you've just got a question or you've had wildlife in your yard. You can call into 1-866-472-5788. You can email me at wildeyes.org at wildeyes at wildeyes.org.
1: w-i-l-d-i-z-e
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
1: you're listening to ellie weiss and our wild world
2: We're back with uh, me, Ellie Weiss, and Our Wild World, and I am the founder and president, chief cook and bottle washer of Wild Eyes Foundation, which I started as a um, direct result of my experiences in Africa and realizing that there was a big gap that was not being addressed between big conservation and the actual people who have to live with the results or the efforts of conservation being uh, done in their area. So that's a thought some people don't often think about when we read a glossy uh, annual report of who's doing what and that we are protecting and saving species. What is the effect on people and especially uh, the people where this conservation area is being uh, worked on. So, uh, over the years, I've done a lot of reading, and reading is one of the best ways to educate yourself on any subject. And I'm not necessarily talking about Wikipedia or going to the internet. I don't particularly call that research. You can find a lot of facts, and but once again, you have to uh, keyword your research and get down into the details. There are incredible books out there written by a wide variety of people that are going to get you great information. But it is up to us, the individual, to put that information together and create a platform by which we live and by which we decide how we're going to live on our planet. It's not our government's responsibility to educate us. It's not our neighbor's responsibility. It is our responsibility to educate ourselves and find something that we want to get involved in and do something and make our world a place that we want to live in. Uh, My particular area of focus is I want a world that has wildlife, that has wilderness in it, and a place that is able, I started to say safe, and I'm not sure that that is the word I want to use because that gets into a whole different aspect, but a world that we are safe to recreate in and due to our understanding of the area we choose to recreate in and what conservation is going to do to our habitats, to our wild places, and to the people who must live alongside in concert or conflict with wildlife and wild spaces. So wilderness has typically been defined as pristine, untouched Uh, uninhabited by man, which is not necessarily the case. Wilderness is a place where uh, we are not using the resource for complete exploitation or consumption. It is an area set aside that uh, is for wildlife, for the habitat, and for the uh, creatures and beings and different systems to function in that wilderness area. Uh, more and more, we are recreating in what we used to call strictly wilderness areas. Uh, the town I live outside of, Aspen, Colorado, is a 16-square block um, of about 8,000 full-time residents. That swells up to 45,000 people during high season, which is summer And winter that are skiing and or hiking in our backcountry, which is the uh, BLM National Forest Land and the Aspen Snowmass Wilderness Area. So I happen to live in a unique area that is plopped down in the middle of a wilderness area. And we have a lot of visitors from around the world that are usually coming from more urbanized areas to come and experience this incredible place that we have. Mountains, rivers, streams, fishing, uh, camping experiences, skiing, um, that aren't necessarily going to fully understand what happens when you encounter the wildlife. When you encounter nature in all her gloria, glory. Uh, One of the things that uh, one of my favorite writers about Yellowstone, the archivist at the uh, Yellowstone uh, National Park, uh, one of the concepts he had said about nature is we love nature. We people, we do love nature. We want to participate in it. We want to enjoy it. But the other side of that coin is nature is uh, uninvolved. Nature does not love us back. Nature is nature, and it's going to do what it does. It's not about love and emotion. It's about a functioning ecosystem, and we need to better understand our place in that ecosystem. Thus, the name of the show, Our Wild World, and how we function within our wild world and maintain some of this uh, wilderness that we need for our emotional um well-being as i talked about earlier we take our cars out here we hike out here we ski out here we want to go into the backcountry and reconnect with nature so how do we do that safely for ourselves and for the nature itself there's a variety of ways to do that um i've covered be prepared be prepared the best thing you can do when you head into the backcountry is be prepared so if you decide to fulfill your passion in a philanthropic, altruistic way by giving to wildlife or going and volunteering at a project.
0: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful predators are in danger without them our rivers dry up our forests don't grow our communities go hungry our biodiversity crumbles wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems the wild effect it's in our hands ellie founded wild eyes foundation because she loves africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. w-i-l-d-i-z-e dot o-r-g
0: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station
1: voiceamerica.com you're listening to ellie weiss and our wild world
2: What we were talking about was how you can be prepared when you decide to go into the world, our wild world, and recreate. There are other beings and other creatures out there that don't necessarily care about you. They're just going around living their lives. Um, Some of these experiences could be uh, dangerous to us uh to the rec- recreator so it's a, a good idea to understand the area that you're going into what you could possibly encounter and um be prepared uh in a what if situa- what if situation Uh, If you know you're going to hike in an area where there could be lions or bears, then you should probably have a pretty good idea what to do when you encounter a bear or a lion. There is great information out there to um, help prepare you for that, and uh, I'd like to give you a little rundown of some books. There's one called Don't Get Eaten, uh, which gives you uh, some great tips on animal behavior and an imaginary scenario of let's say you're shushing down the hill on your cross-country skis in the backcountry you come around a bend and there is a moose in your way what are you going to do so um, the author provides good tips and tricks about the behavior of animals, understanding an, a wild animal's personal space, its fight-or-flight response, so that you can understand how not to exacerbate the situation and get away safely without encountering um, or upsetting the wildlife. Uh, we have more uh more and more wildlife coming into our urban areas as we blur the boundaries between what was wildlife and wilderness to what is now. I'm going to call it exurban and sub rural areas as we build farther and farther outside the urban areas to reconnect with nature. We are actually blurring some boundaries there with the wildlife so it's a good I- idea to understand the wildlife that is going to come cruising through your backyard and what happens when it comes up to your house or when you encounter it in its natural uh, situation and by the way if you are skiing down uh, the back country and come across a moose the best thing to do is sit down and uh, understand that that moose will have the opportunity to go away from you. Most wildlife does not want to interact with you unless of course you are facing a predatory uh, carnivore and it's a very good idea to understand if that carnivore is looking at you as prey or looking at you as, oh my goodness you just walked into my world, I want to get away from you. That is called the fight or flight response. Um, we can get into that a bit more, and I'd love to hear your questions, so you're welcome to email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org, and that's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at wildeyes.org, or you can call us at one uh, 866 I would love for you to visit our website, and that, again, is wildeyes.org, where you can visit and understand a lot more, not only about me and my background, but the projects that we work on in Africa, which is geared toward wildlife security, sustainable community development, and education. in Africa, but just because I am particularly focused on Africa, that doesn't mean we should not be focusing on these very same issues here in our Western world and, uh, uh, North America, Europe, wherever you may be and wherever you're listening from, we can all participate in making our wild world a better place and a safer place for us and um, understand what we can do in our urbanized world that will have a positive effect on our wild world. So uh, coming up in our uh, next shows, I'd love to hear from you and some questions about what you would like to hear. I did receive a couple of emails from uh, uh, one listener and uh, with some questions. Uh, His questions are, do the inhabitants of Africa at a community level see the big picture of how important it is to protect the surrounding wildlife? And I would say yes and no. I would also apply that same question to us here in the Western world. Do we see the big picture of how important it is to protect our surrounding habitats and our wildlife? Uh, Our wildlife plays a critical role in our ecosystems. They drive the architecture of what is going on around us and our earth that supplies the critical free benefits that we receive, food, water, air, um, building materials, and uh, a place to live, a place that we can call home. The one thing every one of us shares on this planet is our earth we are a global community connected yes there's oceans between us yes there's different continents but we all live on this same planet called earth and we all have just one earth so if we don't care who will it's not up to somebody else it's not up to our government our government plays a big role but it's up to us as individuals to take responsibility ownership and accountability for our actions. This is the same kind of uh, uh, operation that we work with every one of our grantees. And in Africa, I would say uh, it varies in, te- in terms of how they see the big picture. Um, there is a lot less access to information There are places where there's no electricity, so radio becomes important. The community network becomes important. The geography becomes important to a community as to how they can converse with their neighbors and uh, other people and the um, aid organizations that come in to help them with a specific uh, goal or project. Uh, Once we have the ability to sit down and discuss and understand what is important to them and the challenges they are facing and the issues they must deal with on a daily basis, then yes, we can come across with a project that usually is initiated by them to help them best manage their resources and deal with the issue with respect towards their wildlife, their resources, their gender, and their lifestyle. So uh, in, in Africa, we have a lot of different cultural aspects in terms of different tribal ways historically that lived and used wildlife and lived and used the land. Uh, as with any culture, uh, as time moves on, sometimes cultural shifts have to take place. We have to find ways that work better with our world that will protect our resources so that we can continue on. An example of that is the Maasai, their cattle, and uh, and lions. So the Maasai see their wealth as the cattle in front of them. That's the dollar bills in their, their wallet. So as African communities like the Maasai climb the economic ladder and have more wealth, then they want to consume more, just as we do, buy that TV, buy the shoes, buy the cell phone, or buy cattle. So uh, instead of having a bank account, you've got a lot of cattle on the hoof. So as you get more and more people climbing this economic ladder, we have more and more cattle on the hoof. More and more cattle needs more and more grazing. That grazing is going to take them into areas that typically have wildlife. So now we're going to run into more conflict between predatory wildlife and uh, livestock, So part of the projects that we're working on is how to reduce this conflict, how to educate people, how to reduce the biomass of cattle on the planet, which also affects CO2 and carbon distribution, and how to provide ways to not entice cat uh, excuse me lions into eating livestock. So there's its' work on both sides of the fence pun intended, how to protect your livestock and how to not attract the lions. and then what we can do in terms of how to help lions not see livestock as a pot- potential prey. Uh, I mentioned this a little bit on our last show you can find out more about it on our website condition taste aversion which is helping lions understand that cattle are toxic to them uh, we make it so we make cattle toxic to them and uh, so that they will not eat it but it Wildlife, and especially a carnivore, is going to do what it does. We have changed the landscape by bringing in a tremendous amount of domesticated livestock into wild areas. We have changed the landscape by bringing recreation into wild areas. So it is part of our responsibility to um, understand our impact, what we can do, and what will you do to um, mitigate this on Every day of your life, uh, every minute, every time you go walk out your front door. So, um, reading, as I said, is a really good way to do that. Um, I think I might have a little time to do a couple of books. There's um, Mark Beckoff, who is a um, professor professor emeritus at Colorado University in Boulder. He's written several wonderful books on. Uh, animal ethology, which is understanding from the animal perspective uh, what's going on in the animal's head. They do have emotions. They do have a sense of morality. It may not be the same as ours, but there is something going on inside that head of the lion or the bear, and in order for them to live in the community they live in, they must find a way to socially get along. Uh, you have animals that are loners, and you have animals that live in packs or prides. So in order for a lion and a lion pride to get along in that social system, they have to give and take. They have to understand who's doing what, who's um, a little higher in the pecking order, who's a little lower. How are they going to take care of their children, their cubs? How are we going to take care of our children? How are we going to live in our communities, and what part do we want why? Life and our habitat to play in that. The more we understand that the wild community is our community, it is our wild world, then the more we will be able to live side by side without quite so much conflict. But it is up to us to understand our role our ownership, our responsibility, and our accountability in keeping our wild world alive. So I'd really like to hear from you. Um, I'd love it if you'd visit our website and understand more about the projects that uh, Wild Eyes undertakes with the help of our on-the-ground people across Africa. I'd love it if you called in and uh, asked me some questions, and um, I'd love it if you uh, emailed me. So uh, I'd like for this week to um, have you start thinking a little more, I would appreciate it, let's put it that way, um, if you thought about your wild world um, and how that relates to your life and what can you do and what will you do to make a difference. Uh, throughout today's show and um, our other show, we talked about different forms of responsibility, the donor's responsibility to understand the project and where the money goes if they're giving to an organization, your responsibility when you decide to recreate uh in going out into the the wild world, our wild world, and um, some ability to get knowledge, gain access to information of how to better live on our planet uh, and with wildlife. There's books, there's reading, there's the Internet, there's video, there's um, film. There are so many resources out there that can inform us and teach us and educate us Uh, As to living better with each other, living better with ourselves, reorienting our benchmark from dollars or the number of cattle that are on our land or the number of dollar bills that are in our wallet to understanding how that works with the biomass and the um, physical aspects of our planet. We can be a bit more in balance and we can change some things around we are headed into some issues that such as climate change warming cooling whatever the effects of shifting climate that are going to affect us so it's uh, a good idea to start thinking now what can we do and what will we do to uh turn some of this around there's some of it we can't turn around but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be dealing with it and we shouldn't be thinking about it so what can you do what will you do i'd love to hear about some of the things you are doing so give me a call at 1 1- uh, you can check into the show at one 472 5788 or you can send me an email or you can join my blog uh, on my website wildeyes.org or join us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, I appreciate you all tuning in to Voice America Variety and our wild world. I'd love to hear from you um, and keep our... our our conversation lively and engaged and how it relates to you. So uh, here's looking to you next week for another session of Our Wild World. And in the meantime, enjoy your wild world. Thank you.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week.